Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to get right into the message. I won't keep you longer than service time normally goes. I promise you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Verse 1, this know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, hit. Petty, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Let's pray. Lord God, I'd ask that your anointing would come upon me to preach the word that you have given to me, Lord. Allow everybody under the sound of my voice to hear what you are saying to them through the word of God. Help this, Lord God, to be a night to remember for somebody, Lord. We ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Give someone an air high five, and then you may be seated. It says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Who knows we are living in those days? I believe that we are living in the days that Timothy wrote about. I know in verse 2 through 5 of the scripture, it gives us a description of what these perilous times will look like. It goes on and talks about all of the things that you could see in people. People will have an ungodly love for themselves. They'll want everything that they set their eyes upon, even if what they're setting their eyes upon is someone else's things. The Bible continues to describe these times, and, and, and notice that when it said the perilous times will come and it started to give description, it didn't tell you how, how really how the government was going to be. It didn't tell you how, how, how agriculture was going to be. It didn't talk about, well, it's going to be this time and this kind of culture. But it talked about how people were going to be. It would talked about how people will constantly boast of their own selves and their abilities, leaving God out of the equation. Proud people that will blaspheme the name of the Lord and they'll make fun of God and godly things. And it, it doesn't that just know it? Can't you just see that happening in the culture that we live in? Even people who are praying and do, they're trying to do something that's Christian, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to offend anybody. And so they blaspheme even in the middle of their prayer. They will attack God's people in the end. In the last days, we will find an increase in people who will reject the wisdom of their parents and they will reject the wisdom of elders, showing themselves to be truly disobedient to outside advice. Unthankful people who are never content with what they have, never grateful for their health, never grateful for how God made them an unthankful people. 
It goes on to describe the kind of people that we will be around. The Bible says that the description of perilous times will be people who are unholy. They will cleave themselves to ungodly things and ungodly ways, not wanting to be separate for God, but wanting to be like everybody else. I guess I should have said this in the beginning that these kind of people that we're talking about won't just be people that are outside of the church, but it will be people that are inside the church as well. Hallelujah. We'd like to think that everybody that's coming to church that is godly will do what, what, what is they're supposed to do. But as I'm reading the description of what we're going to look like in the times, I have to say that some of it is creeping in the church. An unholy people who will constantly attack the boundaries of the church. And the standards that are preached from the pulpit. Why? Not because they don't know that it's true, but because it doesn't measure up to the convenience of how they want to live. These last days, people will not have natural affection. Mothers who don't love their children more than the next guy on the list, fathers who don't love their children more than their freedom. Men and women who are not satisfied with the natural love of someone of the opposite sex, but they have to bend the natural rules of God and go after someone of the same sex. Oh, yeah, we still preach against that, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah, that's unnatural love. The description of the last days sounds like the description of the days we live in. People who will break their word any time they want. I know that, that for some, especially some uh, of our more wisdom and seasoned people here, you can remember a time when, once, when someone gave you their word, it was a concrete law. Well, no longer is that. People in the church don't even keep their word. No. The word means not their truce breakers. Amen. People will break their word for anything. People will falsely accuse other people with no evidence. They just simply don't like what they stand for. So they will make up lies about them. That's called false accusers. This is a description of what's going to happen in the last days. A generation that is driven by anger. A quick mentality, I just want to fight. It's not about, I don't want to reason with you, I just want to fight. Why? Because there's just anger in the word. Not, not, not willing to discuss the issues. I'd rather just burn your house down than rather discuss with you the issues on how we can come to, together to a, a one accord. A generation that hates good. And I'm not just talking about the generation that was born. I'm talking about the days we live in. Don't you know, can't you just see people hate good? It just rubs them the wrong way. They just can't stand it. They just can't stand people that speak good. They just want to fight against people that speak the good news. This is what the word calls perilous times. The scripture goes on to say that these times will have people who are traitors, high-minded people, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They would rather spend their time, their money, and their energy going after what makes them feel good in the flesh than rather chase after a relationship with God. 
This describes a people that would rather play games than pray. They would rather do anything to make their flesh feel good. I don't want to fast, Pastor, because fasting makes me feel bad. I want to dilute into whatever it is that I want to intake. Lovers of themselves more than lovers after God. Fasting hurts, doesn't feel good. This describes a people that would rather go after what feels good than what is good. Verse 5 gives a description gives a description that is easily seen in the Christian world today having a form of godliness. Looking the part sometimes. Speaking the part sometimes. Going to church praising Jesus on Sunday but then going home that very night and getting drunk and getting high or whatever else they want to do because I only have to be in church when I'm in church. And the whole time these people that we will see in the days of perilous times will call themselves Christians and they will go to churches that proclaim that they serve God, but they will deny the power thereof. Because to have the power, you have to say no to your flesh. And to have the power, you have to decrease so he will increase. To have the power, you have to love God more than the things that you have in your hands. To have the power, it's got to not be about you, but it's got to be about him. And so in the last days, we find a people that will play church, looking like church, acting like church, but the whole time they are just a bunch of dry, dead bones. This is the time that the Bible calls perilous times. And if that wasn't enough of a description of what it means, let's simplify it and to tell you what perilous means. To define perilous, it just means full of danger and risk. 2 Timothy 3 and 1 is the first and the last time in the Bible that God uses the word perilous. He didn't use the words to describe the days of Noah. He didn't use this word to describe the days of the Tower of Babel. He didn't use this word to describe what happened right after Garden of Eden was destroyed and Eve and Adam went into their sin. He didn't use that word to even describe what was happening in Egypt when the leaders were killing God's people and keeping them as slaves. God did not inspire this word to be used of the events that even came in the days of Job when he lost his friends and family and health and wealth and everything. Those were not days that God classified as perilous times. Not even in the day when Jesus walked the earth when Rome had the Israelites in constant fear and turmoil and the people were just praying that someone would come and flip this, this government upside down so they could finally have freedom. Not even then did Jesus say, these are perilous times. But this word was reserved for now and this time. I, I have to tell you that if there is ever a time that God described correctly the days that we're in of danger and a day of risk is the day that you live in. It's the day your children live in, and it's the day your grandchildren live in. 
God reserved this word of caution for now. It seemed to me that God was trying to tell us of the dangerous road that we could find ourselves on if we are not careful. And he wasn't worried about talking about it 6,000 years ago or 4,000 years or 2,000 years. But he said, no, in the last days, you're going to find that the road that you'll find yourself on will be dangerous and it will be hazardous. And, and in fact, I'll use the word perilous. God was trying to tell us of the great risk if you are not aware of your surroundings and if you don't walk in spirit but of flesh. Here's my worst fear about these times that we live in. And I do believe with everything inside me, we live in the times foretold in Timothy 3. I don't believe people are totally unaware of the times we live in. See, if people were just unaware of the times, then all we would have to do is remind them of the times that you're in. All I would have to do is get up and say, hey, danger, danger, there's risk, there's great danger, there's turmoil out there. I know you didn't know, so I'm letting you know. But that's not my fear because I think that we have a very knowledgeable generation in church that knows that the road they're in ends in disaster. They know the road ends in their spiritual death. They just don't care. I think people know the dangerous roads they're on. They just find ways to compromise what they know. They make excuses about what they are doing and how it's okay if I do it, Pastor. It's okay if I, if I, that, that, well, what you teach is just archaic and what you, what you guys teach is just old fashioned and what you, what you teach was good for people back in the 70s and 80s, but we're, we're the new, we're the new kind of people. We're the new generation and we can, we can flirt with the world and still be in church. It's a lie. The devil has sold you and you've accepted it with everything that you have. They say to themselves, even though God said it was perilous, and even though he said I should take great care, I will be the one. I will be the one person to go down as being able to walk the dangerous roads and be okay. What foolishness. What foolishness that we can think that we're going to go down the perilous road and be okay. If it got your father and if it got your grandfather, it can get you. If it got your neighbor and it got the other person, it can get you. No one, no one, you, you, you're not, you don't have a long enough membership with the church that you can say, I don't have to worry about temptation. You, you, you don't have a great enough ministry, and I don't care who your grandfather is. There's no one in here that says, well, I'll just do whatever I want to do. I know they said be faithful, and I know they said be holy, and I know they said pay tithes, and I know they, but, but I don't care about none of that because I can be the one exception. You won't be the one exception. I've been in church my whole life, and I've seen my whole life people play on perilous roads only to succumb to the very same Thing that every single person succumbs to when they're on perilous roads. Sometimes I think we are like the situation that I found myself in just this past Sunday night. I left home with Brooklyn 
about 9.30 with full intentions to drive up north so that we could have a little bit of fun on the snowmobile, get up early and do it. And so as I got onto the road, I told Brooklyn, I said, man, I just hope the roads are good. So I, I get on the road and I get around Pearson Road and it just had that real nasty snow started to come. I, I, you know, I don't mind the stuff that accumulates eight inches in an hour. You know, you can see that, but it's that deceptive stuff. You know what I'm talking about. If you've lived in Michigan, it just makes the roads as slick as ice. And so I got out there, and, man, I just, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll let you know this right now. Your pastor loves the cold. Your pastor loves the snow. I have no problem that me and Brother Jonathan, we love the snow. We love it. We love it with everything. But I can tell you what I don't like doing is I don't like driving on the highways when it's like that. My nerves cannot handle it. And so I got just past Birch Run, and I said, Brooklyn, we need to look at the weather because if this is how it's going to be the whole trip, I said, I'm not going any further. I'm turning around going home. And so we, we get off around was Buena Vista area, Shai Saginaw. We get up to this gas station, and I get on my, my map, and I said, well, man, it looks like it's going to be bad for most of the night and most of the trip. And I, what do you want to do, Brooklyn? Do you want to go up there, or do you want to go back home? Because I was only going up there for her. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know, whatever you want to do, you're the driver. And I said, well, let's try it, Brooklyn. Let's just see how far we can get up the road. So I get back on the highway going north and just shy of the Zilwaukee Bridge. I'm driving along, going slow, grandma, grandpa slow, in the far right lane. And what would happen is this joker comes flipping around me. Now, I was in, I was in Bishop's beautiful red truck four by four, the whole nine yards. I was good. This guy had an older model car. It did not have all-wheel drive, did not have four by four, and it wouldn't have made a difference anyways because it was slick. He come around just whipping like he had no cares in the world. And I said it. I don't know if I said it out loud to Brooklyn, but I said it to myself. I said, that guy will never meet his destination. The thought did not get out of my mind before I saw that car this way. Go this way and ram it to the guardrail at an incredible speed. So incredible of a speed that it flipped him up. Flipped him back on the highway. And thank God, flipped him all the way to the other side. Where he busted into that too. Thank, I thank God he went that way. Because if he would have stayed where he was, me and her were going to slam into him directly. So I, I don't know if I did the right thing or not. But I slowed down. I got over to the very edge. There was an exit right there. So I got over as far as I could in front. And I thought about reversing, but I was like, no, I'm not reversing on this highway. It was right over a little. And I kept seeing these cars coming over, and they, they were driving faster than I was comfortable. And they just kept flying over this hill. And I thought, they're going to lose control and hit me. And, and I know what Bishop says about his truck. So I can't. So. And I have my daughter in the car, and so there's, there's nothing I would do to 
possibly endanger her. And then I thought, you know, I, I need to get out. I need to get out and I need to go to this car to find out how this person is because they hit so hard. I have no idea the condition of this person. And so I act like I'm going to get out. And Brooklyn's like, what are you doing? This, this highway is slick. There's cars coming over. You're going you're gonna to trip and you're going to fall and someone's going to hit you. And I thought, that could be true. And I thought, what good am I going to do anyways? I, 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 I don't know nothing. I can't do anything. Of course, before this, I went ahead and I called 911 and I told them of the scenario and I said, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know how the condition of the person. And I stood there and I stayed there until I, the ambulances came. And just to make sure, I didn't see no movement. I have no idea. To this, this day, I have no idea what happened. Amen to the person in the car. But, but I thought about this. When you're on a dangerous, perilous road, you need to be aware and you need to take care. And I thought to myself, how many times, you know, as a preacher, I'm sitting on the side of the road and <laughs> I'm a preacher. so I'm getting a message out of this. And I'm sitting on the side of the road and I said, how many times do I see people in our church and it's the exact same thing. I, I see them whipping down this perilous road. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you continue your journey and you continue your trajectory, and if you do it the speed you're doing it, there is no doubt in my mind you will meet your demise. And I thought, I feel as helpless in the church sometimes as I did sitting on the side of the road not able to help that person. And even then, I couldn't tell that person, slow down. There's no way you're going to make it. Thank God he didn't get to the Zilwaukee Bridge and do that. That thing scares me in the summer. And I'm just thinking, how many times have I sat up here and I've preached these scriptures and I've talked about the perilous days ahead. And I've talked about this thing. And how many times have I counseled? And how many times have I tried so hard to just get your attention to say the road that you're on is perilous. And I'm not using that word lightly. It is a road full of danger and a road full of risk. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you continue down this road, you will find yourself in a spiritual accident. How many times are some people just like this dude? I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was thinking. There was no way he was going to make it. I was scared out of my mind driving. I, 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 and, but trust me, that was it. I turned right on around and went right on home. And I said, no way am I going. And I thank God for that. Because in, in my mind, if I wouldn't have, I know exactly where Brooklyn would have been the next day. So I came home back. The whole time this car was speeding past me, I could see what was happening. Reminds me of Lot when he decided to pitch his tent towards Sodom. Don't tell me he didn't know the danger. Don't tell me he didn't hear the stories. But because it looked good, and because he didn't get that immediate, the immediate results of a negative reaction. 
See, if every time you sin, God would come down and slap you, you would stop sinning. If every time you did something, if every time we did something that was ungodly, if there would be a spiritual hand to come up and smack, we would stop sinning. But that's not how God works. God allows you to keep down that road of perilous times. He allows you to keep messing with that temptation that you shouldn't be messing with. He allows you to keep messing with that person you shouldn't be messing with. He allows you to keep sinning the way you are sinning without a negative. So you think in your mind it must be okay because I'm not getting an immediate negative reaction. No, that negative reaction comes down later. It doesn't always hit you when it should hit you. I wish it would. But God did not instruct me to go around smacking people when they sin. He instructed me to preach the word. And so I'm up here behind this pulpit for probably the hundredth time, and I'm speaking out to a crowd, and I'm trying to tell you with other voice that I can tell you that you're on a perilous road. And if you keep going, you're going to get an accident. And I'm not saying it's going to total your car, and I'm not even going to say it's going to total your body, but what it's going to do is it's going to destroy your soul. you knew, if you knew you are on a road that leads to your backsliding, why wouldn't you stop? If you knew that the road you're on leads to disaster, stop going down that road. Turn around. And I'm preaching to you, turn around. I don't know why I feel this morning. Of course, it happened in the in Sunday night. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking this is exactly how I feel. I feel like I'm watching people just just driving recklessly down the road of life, and they're just sinning, and they're doing all that they can do. And the whole time, I'm thinking, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it leads to destruction. This is not my first time in church. I was a youth leader over a good-sized youth group, and I saw... Most of them go down the wrong road. Why do you think that our young people can get away with it when they couldn't? Sin is sin. We've got to watch ourselves. Sin is sin. Don't compromise. And here's the other thing. And here's the other thing. If you saw someone going down a perilous road, let me, let me speak to parents. Parents, if you saw your kids going down a perilous road, I mean, why wouldn't you stop them? Why wouldn't you say something? Why wouldn't you make a big deal? If I saw my son or my daughter going in a direction that I know that at the end of that road, they're going to be their spiritual death. If I had to get my body in between their body and destruction, I would do it. But we're so worried, parents, that our, our children won't look at us like friends. I want to be their friend. I want them to like me. I want them to think that I'm cool. You're not called to be cool. You're not called to be their friend. You're called to be their parent. And as their parent, they won't always like you. And if they always like you, it's because you're never telling them that they do anything wrong. 
I can tell you this right now. I, I, I'm, I'm, the devil's going to have to stomp me into this carpet before I allow my children to just go down a road that I know leads to destruction. Perilous times. We are in the perilous times that God was talking about. The great danger and the risk of losing our souls. And I'm not sure if we're paying attention. God is warning us in these last days that we don't have to be a part of the people in the verse 2 through 5. In 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5, it gives a good, a good description of people. It doesn't sound like people I want to be friends with. It sounds like people that I want to lead to Jesus. I want to be a witness. I want to be a light to them. But that doesn't mean that I've got to be close to them. The Bible says from such turn away the bible didn't say become their bestest friend so you could win them I, i'm just sorry that's not what the word says if you want to rewrite the bible you'll go ahead and do that i won't touch it but the bible says the perilous people in the perilous times we need to get away from we need to reach them we need to somehow be a light to them but we can't be involved in the actions that we read about. My message tonight, and it's a heavy burden on my heart. I, I apologize if it's not what you wanted to hear. So many people are on a road, and you're on a dangerous road. And God has troubled my spirit one more time. Brother Seth can come to the piano. God has troubled my spirit one more time to preach to you that you're going down the wrong way. And I can see that you're fine with it. And I can tell that you're okay and that you know that it's perilous and you don't care. Pastor, just try to tell me that I'm not going the right direction. And I can tell you that pride will be the end of you. But I can tell you that God has messed up my sleep and he has woke me up and he has tried to push me to the point where I'm willing to come here. And I'm willing to tell you one more time, because don't, don't you know that pastor knows that this is not a shouting message? I'd rather have you up shouting. I'd rather have you up just dancing and praising and I can do that and I will do that. But God messed me up just enough to come here to say, you're going to hear the word of God one more time. And you know what I say to the Lord? I'm, I'm being transparent right now. God, I've, I've preached this so many times to them. I've been in this spot and I've looked out to these people right here and I've preached it to you. And you've never made a move. I preach it again Lord why should I preach it again God said because if you could stop them from coming down that dangerous road in perilous times why not give it one more try and one more try and one more try and one more try if I could have done something on North 75 right there before the Zowalki Bridge if I could have done something to stop this person from doing what he did, 
I would have done it. It was a miracle no one else was involved. It was a miracle we weren't involved. We were as close to them as that back wall. I don't know how we got away from it except for just God's precious hand. But if I could have stopped it, and I had no idea, I still don't know who this person is. I would have stopped it. How much more? How much more is your pastor? Do I have to lend my voice one more time? The road you're on, the direction you're going is perilous. And I'm telling you, God is telling you, turn around. Turn around. Turn around. Please turn around. Stand to your feet. This could be, this definitely is for some people in here, and it very well could be definitely some people that are watching us online. I don't care what preacher on TV said it was okay. I don't care what, what, what some person out there said. Don't worry about, oh, that's just, let, let's just not worry about that. Let's just have our new set of religion. Let's have our new way of being just like the world, but still being in church. That doesn't exist. It's a perilous road. And I'm telling you, God has come tonight to lead you back to the right road. All you got to do is stop and turn around. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Turn around. God will meet you right there. I open up this altar. Not only this altar, but right there, your seat, where you are, if you feel comfortable. Even if you're watching online, I'm asking you to take a moment now pray with us. Come on, evaluate your soul. I know on this cold Wednesday night, pastors come not preaching a message of fire and, 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 and praise and worship, but, but I've got a heaviness on my heart. I don't want to see you keep going down this destructive path you're going on. It's getting you farther and farther away from God. Saying, turn around. Come on, pray, saints. Oh, God has come one more time to take you in his arms. Come on, God has come one more time to take you in his arms. If you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need to do that. If you have not received the gifts of the Holy Ghost, you are on perilous roads. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, the only name given in the Bible where we should be baptized, then, then you're on a perilous road. Come on, turn around. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a turn around. Come on, let's pray. Come on. Some saints, I need you to pray. If you've got the Holy Ghost, I need you to pray. I'm asking for a conviction to come upon this place in the name of Jesus.